0: This episode contains descriptions of kidnapping, physical abuse, and assault. If you are a survivor yourself, or if these topics have the potential to trigger you, please proceed with caution. Previously on Goond. Our educational placement counselor, he ended up recommending, have you guys ever considered or thought about a wilderness therapy? We're like, no. What is that?
1: You basically have two choices, uh, a 12-week wilderness program or the short-term residential programs. I love wilderness. I think it's very powerful and transformational. Your first contact with your child is through letter writing. It's not a phone call because, I mean, most kids, when they're hitting a first phone call, it's like, Mom, Dad, please come get me now. Bring a boat or something. Pick me up.
0: We did not visit at all. Maybe we could have, but it wouldn't have made sense to it would have been just much more of like, okay, no, 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 just take me home. Don't leave me here. Today on Goond,
1: I have a pretty stereotypical beginning of my story, which starts with being abducted in the middle of the night when I was 15 by two strangers that told me that we can do this the easy way or the hard way.
2: I came home, and there were two dudes there in, like, black outfits or whatever. They beat the piss out of me. I tried to beat the piss out of them. I was I was like a buck ten. I was a featherweight trying to go up against heavyweights.
0: You mean early in the morning right. to the extent that it's... Yes,
3: yeah, so what we were trying to do while it's still dark, they can just tell her, look, we're either going to fly there or we're going to drive there. It usually goes according to plan.
0: Welcome back to Gooned, a podcast about the troubled teen industry. In today's episode, what is gooning? Who are the goons? And how does a family end up with kidnappers for hire invading their home under the cover of darkness? We'll hear from Meg and Vaughn, two survivors who were gooned, and revive Nancy and Ella from last week's episode to see just how easy it is and how much it costs to have your child kidnapped with the full protection of the law. Stay on the Get
1: off. The I no, care. I don't care!
0: Gooning is a term used in survivor communities to refer to the practice of taking children from their homes, often at night or in the very early morning, and transporting them either by plane or by car to a troubled teen industry program. Many kids are taken across state lines, meaning the transport requires either getting on an airplane or driving upwards of 10 hours. Gooning is a common practice and is not reserved for physically violent kids or problem cases. Because the teen transport industry is so poorly regulated, there are very few figures to indicate how widespread gooning is. But a 2021 study estimates that 50-65% to of adolescents in wilderness therapy were taken there by goons, otherwise known as a teen transport service. Of the dozens of survivors that I spoke to, only two were taken to the programs they attended voluntarily and with full transparency. One who will hear from in a later episode went of his own volition. Five were driven there by their parents under false pretenses. The rest were gooned.
2: I came home and there were two dudes there, and like looking back on it, kind of wannabe military f- fatigues, like black outfits or whatever, and. They beat the piss out of me. I tried to beat the piss out of them. I was I was like a buck ten. I was a featherweight trying to go up against heavyweights.
0: That's Vaughn, who spent just over a year at a Utah facility before escaping in the 1990s. He remembers being woken up in the middle of the night by two men who he thought were robbing his house.
2: I guess in order of events, I thought we, I was being robbed or abducted or something. The tip-off was they asked me what my name was. I was like, okay, I don't know what the fuck this is. And that's when, you know, the rumble started. Then on the way out, that's when I saw my parents and they didn't have much to say, so I knew at least they were in on it.
0: It wasn't until he saw his parents in the hallway that Vaughn could process that he was not being robbed, but abducted, and his parents were in on it. In Vaughn's case, a fight ensued. He grappled with the men who tried to force him into their van, but it was no use, a small kid against two burly adults? No chance. The transporters black-bagged him, putting a dark piece of cloth over his head so he couldn't see where he was going. Then they restrained him.
2: So they had to restrain me. They had to put me in handcuffs. Or not handcuffs. They had zip ties.
0: Vaughn put up a fight all the way to the airport. Eventually, the goons decided it would be easier to drive him. So they did.
2: They nabbed me. They were going to take me to an airport, uh, I guess, and... Because I just kind of fought every inch of the way. They uh, seemed to announce that I, I couldn't get on a plane. They were really upset about it. And then they ended up having to drive me. They blackbagged me and I wouldn't get on a plane. And that pissed them off. And uh, yeah, they had to drive me to fucking Utah.
0: It doesn't always go this way with the blackbagging, the fist fighting, the zip ties. Between fight, flight, and freeze, most kids take the freeze option, whether they're forced into compliance or they shut down in the interest of self-preservation. Vaughn was gooned in the 90s, before any regulations had been passed about the use of restraints and physical force by teen transport agencies. Which is not to say that the few laws passed since are a fix, nor are they enforced, nor are they federal. Since Vaughn was gooned, precious little has changed, and the teen transport industry remains a cesspool of violations of the few regulations in place today. In 2022, Oregon became the first state to regulate teen transport companies with Rule 432 of Oregon's Involuntary Commitment Proceedings, titled Standards for the Approval of a Secure Transport Provider to Transport a Person in Custody or on Diversion to an Approved Holding Hospital or Non-Hospital Facility. Among other regulations, it states that no transport beginning or ending in Oregon is permitted to use mechanical restraints like hoods, blindfolds, or handcuffs. They're banned from using prone and supine physical restraints, banned from using chemical restraints like sedatives, and banned from using strip searches, cavity searches, intentional infliction of pain, humiliation, or degradation, and deprivation of food, water, restroom access, or sleep. The bill also requires youth transport services in Oregon to obtain a child-caring agency license from the Oregon Department of Human Services and mandates that all transport staff pass a background check and be certified in CPR. The regulations include other things, like requiring transport vans to have functioning horns, windshield wipers, and working turn signals. But that's just Oregon. No federal legislation exists to regulate transport agencies, And while there are plenty of TTI facilities in Oregon, it is by no means the majority. Which means that when kids like Vaughn are gooned today, they may be so lucky that their home or program is in Oregon and their kidnappers are not technically allowed to use undue physical restraints and punishment. But kids who are gooned, in Oregon and elsewhere, are still literally being kidnapped.
1: I have a pretty stereotypical Beginning of my story, which starts with being abducted in the middle of the night when I was 15 by two strangers that told me that we can do this the easy way or the hard way.
0: Meg Applegate is the CEO of Unsilenced, a nonprofit organization working to prevent youth institutionalization and supporting survivors of abuse in the troubled teen industry. She has listened to countless hours of survivor stories in this role and has heard of so many cases of gooning that she calls her own experience stereotypical. Like Vaughn, she initially assumed that she was being taken from her parents without their knowledge.
1: And the first thought is, oh my gosh, mom, dad saved me, right? And you think you're being kidnapped without your parents' knowledge. And I remember looking to the door and seeing my parents standing there watching. And that's when I knew that something was wrong.
0: Meg was strip-searched and taken to the airport by two goons, all the while having no idea where she was going or why.
1: They proceeded to... Uh, make me change in front of them, go to the bathroom in front of them. And then they put me in the back of an SUV, drove me to the airport, wouldn't allow me to know where I was going. So I remember they sat me like away from the gate so I couldn't see where I was going. And I didn't know where I was going until I was on the plane and the captain came on and announced it.
0: Meg was flown and escorted to a lockdown facility in Idaho, where she spent six months. There
1: I really saw a lot of, it was a stereotypical hospital setting, right? So there's magnetic locked doors. I saw a lot of restraints, a ton of seclusion, isolation. We had a quiet room that was a padded room with a bed in the middle with straps that they would strap the kids down to when they were misbehaving. I saw lots of chemical restraints. It was a scary place, especially for me because I hadn't seen anything like that in my life. I ended up being put on tons of medications, and within the six months that I was there, I gained 60 pounds from over-medication, lack of exercise, lack of healthy
0: foods. Afterwards, she was transferred to a residential treatment facility in Montana, where she spent three years.
1: That was very damaging and in an insidious way, that they really indoctrinate their girls that come in through the use of attack therapy, forced labor, And various behavior modification techniques, they break you down and build you back up in the way that they want you to be.
0: But between the lockdown facility, the trauma of residential treatment, the attack therapy, the forced medication, Meg says that being abducted was the trauma that has stuck with her the longest.
1: Oh, it was entirely traumatic. I'd say single-handedly being abducted and having sleep issues and waking up in panic anytime I wake up, like. It has the lasting effect on my life.
0: So how is this legal? How is this possible? You can't even bring aerosol sunscreen through TSA. How do two transporters make it through security with a child who is not their own, a child who is petrified, shocked, and confused? And how does the average parent hire kidnappers completely legally? They do it very easily. Transport agencies are by and large registered as Limited Liability Corporations, or LLCs. Some of these agencies are divisions of other, larger companies, like private investigation groups or security consultants. The thing about an LLC is that anyone can form one, and easily. Just google LLC and you can make your own for free in about 20 minutes. In order for the transport to take place, parents must first sign a document transferring temporary legal custody to the transporters. With the authority to stand in loco parentis, the company's goons can medicate, subdue, restrain, and travel with a minor, even across state lines. The transport documents also include agreements to release the company from liability in the event of property damage, injury, misplacing the child, or death, either during or after the transport. If the child protests, they are informed of the custody agreement, but not of much else. Key in the gooning process is unpredictability that the kid doesn't know what's happening, where they're going, or why.
2: We are actually no. called juvenile transporters. No, dog, Hold on, listen. Way, dog. We, we have custody of you right now. No! Don't.
0: The goons in this clip work for a transport service often contracted by the mental health talk show Dr. Phil to transport teens to the production studio and the TTI programs that the show recommends. They're a member of the Association of Mediation and Transport Services, or AMATS, the organization under which the majority of teen transport agencies organize. The goons that most parents find through a simple Google search and through referrals from programs and educational consultants are usually AMATS members. Per the association itself, AMATS is a, quote, coalition of professional intervention and transport companies, who mediate critical moments with families that need assistance having their loved one placed in treatment. This language is purposefully vague. AMATS doesn't refer families to schools or programs, nor do they endorse any, but most will take your child from and to any program in any state in the country. Some AMATS member companies even provide overseas travel. The organization was founded in 2007 with 12 members. National Treatment Transport, Right Direction Crisis Intervention, Heather R. Hayes & Associates, Hired Power, Safeguard Incorporated, Safe Passage Global, and WestShield Adolescent Services are the seven members of the body still operating today. AMATS is not regulated or overseen by any governing body and does not audit or enforce any code of ethics for its members. A transport company's membership in AMATS serves to provide a kind of legitimacy to parents who don't know much about transporters. It sounds official, it has a slick logo, and seeing that logo on a website can feel comforting and affirming, even without looking into what the logo means. AMATS also serves as a kind of unified public face of the transport industry, lobbying for and representing the industry in legislative initiatives. They adamantly oppose the Oregon legislation that placed regulation on transporters. Its president fought against the bill, and on the AMATS website, conveniently located above a donate button, there is a statement. Quote, In an attempt to assist Oregon legislators as they were creating legislation, AMATS president Brian Shepard consulted through the process. However, Shepard's consultation fell on deaf ears. It goes on, quote, Unfortunately, the complex legislation in Oregon is restrictive rather than supportive— and has created unexpected difficulties for both transport companies as well as therapeutic programs, end quote. Apparently, AMATS did not expect the difficulty that would arise from needing functional turn signals or having to transport children without using chemical sedatives. AMATS also bandied about its political weight when it helped write an amendment to Utah Senate Bill 0239, passed in 2022, that established the following four requirements for creating a teen transport service in the state. One, a $500 application fee. Two, a business insurance policy with at least a million dollars in coverage. Three, a background check. Four, a business license. With this amendment, anyone with $500, a business insurance policy that would cost a few hundred to $1,000 a year, and a clean wrap sheet can create a transport company in Utah. And these companies present a lucrative opportunity. In addition to a small profit made from overestimation of line-item services like fuel, plane tickets, and rental cars, quotes from some transport agencies have a retainer fee topping $5,000. Last episode, I called educational consultants while posing as Nancy, the mother of a teenager named Ella who is struggling with depression and self-isolation. With only a brief description of Ella's common teenage struggles, educational consultants had been quick to recommend sending her to wilderness therapy. Nancy is now faced with transporting her daughter from their home in suburban Idaho to a troubled teen industry program deep in the woods of northern Utah. Googling teen transport brought up dozens of services with official-sounding names and professional websites. I discovered that in literally three clicks, Nancy could contact a company to come to her house in the middle of the night and whisk Ella away. The first thing that appears on nearly every transport agency website is a phone number, highlighted or blinking or bright red. Available 24-7, they say. Call now. Act fast. Interspersed with enthusiastic testimonies and stock images of smiling teenagers are Contact Us buttons, inquiry forms, and email addresses. Just like with the educational consultants, there's a clear emphasis on urgency. Each company uses some variation of the same language, promising a seamless transport. Fast, safe, effective, secure, firm, caring, professional.
3: Guardian Voyage is a team of caring and compassionate trained professionals who safely transport your team to their destination. They will be in constant contact and always put your
2: child first. Universal Crisis Intervention will assist the family with all aspects of the transport. The transport counselors will be making the pickup at the teen's residence. The team arrives either late at night or early in the morning to assure that the teen is at home, usually in their bedroom. West Shield operates one of the most highly trusted and well-known companies for individuals in need of transport assistance to any location around the U.S. Your call is always confidential. Our expert advice is free of charge, and our experienced staff will respond quickly.
0: One site even invokes religion, claiming to provide an especially Christian kidnapping experience.
2: By drawing from biblically-based principles which undergird the Christian walk, Safe Passage provides highly trained and like-minded professionals who establish a secure environment in which they will travel together with the adolescent to the destination.
0: And if you thought contacting an educational consultant online is easy— Getting in touch with a transport agency is a walk in the park. Within 48 hours of googling the words teen transport, I had in Nancy's inbox an estimate and a game plan for two goons to arrive at my fake Idaho home to kidnap my fake daughter and take her 400 miles away into the Utah wilderness. I reached out to three transport agencies via their websites, fully expecting, almost hoping, that none would get back to me. I wrote three sentences about Nancy's needs and provided a phone number and an email. My daughter Ella will be attending a wilderness therapy program in the state of Utah in early August. I'm investigating transport services to take my daughter from our home near Boise, Idaho, to the program in Utah. Ella is 16 years old and a rising sophomore. Thank you, Nancy. It cannot possibly be this easy to arrange a kidnapping, I thought. I should have learned my lesson from the educational consultants, though, because that same afternoon, all three companies had emailed Nancy and left her voicemails.
2: Hi, Nancy. I just wanted to see if you're available uh, to kind of go over uh, your transport needs. For us, it would be a start in Utah, uh, fly to Boise,
3: Boise back to Utah. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to give me a call back.
0: So I once again put on my best middle-aged woman voice and called a legal kidnapping service. Hello, this is- hi, this is Nancy Richardson. I had called uh, about my daughter, Ella. Yes, hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I apologize for the, the request was a little bit unclear. I'm, I'm just, you know, still navigating this process.
3: That's okay. How was your vacation?
0: It was good. It was good. We went to- We made small talk for a few seconds before getting down to the details. I told the agent that Ella would be going from an Idaho suburb to a wilderness program in northern Utah so we are looking to send ella to a program in utah and i just wanted to go over what that process would look like what kind of um how much we would be looking at in terms of cost and kind of what to expect for for a service like this
3: okay well i don't have an estimated cost for you but what i do i take the number of hours it'll take for our team to get out to you guys to pick her up and for the team to return back to where we are based And plus any expenses like airlines. We also use a fully insured rental car, um, things like that. I could put all that on an estimate for you.
0: The agent emphasized that the transport would be discreet. Nobody but Ella and her parents would know about the two people arriving in the small hours of the morning to take her to the Boise airport against her will and without her knowledge.
3: No, we do use a two agent, gender specific team. We do typically like to look up early in the morning. That way we can keep this a private family matter. And then um, from there, they'll take her down there. And depending on what time her admission time is, will be dependent on when we pick her up as
0: well. I pictured a scared and confused teenager being led through the airport by two people who were clearly not her parents. Wouldn't that raise red flags? The agent was prepared for every question I had. I'll let the call play with a warning that some listeners may find it disturbing. I am wondering, she is a minor, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure how how far through the airport they would be following her. She hasn't flown alone before she, again, turning 16 soon. I, I worry about, are they getting on the plane with her?
3: Yes, they do travel with her, and so she's never going to be by herself.
0: Okay, and they would follow, so they would follow up through the airport up until the drop-off at the facility
3: Yes. Um, We typically use Delta because their staff goes through extra training as far as people on board that have mental health issues or behavioral issues. But if there aren't any direct flights, we can look at like United or American.
0: Okay. And how we've spoken to her about taking intervention eventually. She doesn't yet know the specifics. How do you normally advise that I talk to her about this leading up to it or
3: well, usually we advise to keep things as normal as you can. Um, we don't want to risk her acting out or running away. If you wait to tell her when the, till when the team arrives, it's a little bit better because you won't have that extra anxiety with her.
0: Okay. and And we would be allowed to be in the home while this is happening? Yes. Okay. You said early in the morning. You mean early in the morning right. to the extent that it's, you know, like dark and that kind of thing.
3: Yes. What we prefer to do while it's still dark, usually like four or five AM.
0: I do worry taking her to the airport if she refuses to get on the plane. I is there a a plan B if, if she has to be driven.
3: Well, I'll be completely honest, we haven't really had that happen. Usually once they get in the car, they kind of understand that they are going to this place. If she's hesitant about getting on the plane, they can just tell her, Look, we are either going to fly there or we're gonna drive there. The driving is gonna take a lot longer. So this is what's happening. And it usually goes according to plan.
0: Is there, when they ask for IDs and check her passport with our last names, would we have to be there at the airport to confirm that these are people that can transport her? Or is that something you would let the airline know beforehand?
3: Well, part of our agent paperwork that I send to them is um, there's a form that actually gives your permission to the team that we assign to travel with her and they carry all that through the
0: airport. And yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. Okay. I'm not entirely sure, you know, once I send in that paperwork, is it, is that all there is, or is, is there kind of a.
3: If you send it back to me from there, I just work on things on my end and getting the team formed. Um, you're doing great by the way with your time frame. I have a lot of parents calling me with like a day or week's notice. So you're Ooh. you're doing great and on top of it. Um but yeah, as soon as you send that back in, we can start moving forward and I can work on that today for you and probably have it to you this afternoon.
0: Okay, perfect. Do you need me to send you any more information?
3: Um, well, if I can get your address.
0: Yeah, we're at in Okay. And the zip is
3: All right. Um, What is your daughter's name again? Ella. Does she have the same last name?
0: Yes. Richardson. R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N.
3: So you have sole custody? Correct. Okay. All right. So I will work on this for you and have it sent over as soon as possible. If you need anything else, you can reach me here anytime.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much.
3: You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Holy shit, bro. Fuck. Oh, my God. Sure enough, that afternoon, I received two documents in my inbox. The agent wrote, Nancy, I have two estimates attached for you here. The first estimate is for driving her to the program, and the second one is for flying her. For both plans, the team would fly out to Boise the night before, pick her up early in the morning, and bring her to the program. The airfare on the driving estimate is just for our team to fly out and to return after her transport is complete. There are two hotel lines on there because there aren't any flights that allow for them to return on the same day as her admission. I looked at them flying out of Las Vegas, but that adds extra hours and it ends up being more expensive. We can do whichever option you think is best. The weather in Utah can be unpredictable during that time, so it may end up taking longer to drive, depending on the weather conditions. Thanks again. Attached to her email were the two estimates. Each 14-page document contained an agreement for transfer of custody to the goons for the duration of the transport. The document reads in part, I do therefore willfully assign and grant to the company the authority to stand in loco parentis for the entire duration of the transport for the minor described herein. I do further grant full authority to act in the best interest of the minor as to maintaining and monitoring the safety, security, and physical movements of the minor. I grant full authority to use all reasonable means to ensure the safety and proper conduct on the part of the minor, including the amount of force necessary to restrain in the event that the minor exhibits willful disobedience the amount of force necessary to safeguard the minor may be exercised with appropriate measures of personal physical involvement or use of restraints i further agree to hold harmless the company should the minor cause injuries to self or sustain accidental injuries throughout the transport end quote After several pages of privacy releases, ID photos, credit card authorizations, and custody documentation, the final cost is itemized. For driving, a retainer fee of $6,475 includes A transport team of two agents for 33 hours for $5,115 plus an administrative fee of $130. Fully insured rental car and fuel, $820. Hotel, two rooms, Boise, $160 each. Hotel, two rooms, St. George's Regional Airport, $130 each. Airfare for the transporters to and from Boise, $1,506. Referral discount, minus $175. Meals for the minor, free. For flying, a retainer fee of $6,035 includes the same price for the transport team, administrative fee, and hotel rooms, plus Fully insured rental car and fuel, Boise, $170 Fully insured rental car and fuel, Utah, $210 Airfare, $2,398 The same referral discount, the same free meals for the minor Name, date, credit card authorization form, sign on the line, and for a total of $8,433 to fly, or $7,981 to drive, I could have the goons knocking on my door as soon as I wanted. Completely legally. I double-checked the company's work on the quoted costs and found that the fees included in the retainers for both flying and driving were higher than the market rate for those services. The flying estimate quoted airfare at about $570 more than the most expensive flights I could find for the trip, and quoted an insured rental car and fuel about $130 over market rate for the area and trip length. The driving estimate quoted both a rental car and fuel and airfare for the transporters at about $500 each more than market rate. That means that the company would net about $6,870 for flying or $7,600 for driving. A handsome sum for a few days of kidnapping. When the child is finally delivered to the program, their harrowing journey is only beginning. Shell-shocked and terrified, many kids are already traumatized as they walk through the doors of a troubled teen industry program, and most have no idea of what's to come. Next time on Goond.
1: So I was just constantly eating dirt because that was the only way that I could eat. There was also a lot of coals in the food because the fire would like crackle while we were cooking on it. And I would just take a bite, never knowing if I was going to end up eating a coal. Levels weren't something that changed day to day. Level was something that you had for months. Like, I'm working on my two to get to my three, and I have to apply for that. And I have to do all these assignments, and you're constantly being watched. So you have to act like the level you want to be in order to prove that you can be the next level. And if you get dropped, you have to work back up. They had scores daily. Like, their behavior was quantified. So they would get scored once in the morning and once in the morning to afternoon and then once from the afternoon to evening. But In wilderness, we weren't even allowed to know what time it was. Everything was just kind of more like vague and chaotic there.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Goond. To see the transport estimates and forms in full, listen to the entire call and read the email communications with transport agencies head to patreon.com slash goondpodcast. Remember to rate, review, and follow Goond wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out goondpodcast.com for more information. Goond is researched, reported, and edited by me, Emma Lehman. Original music for the show was created by Olivia Springberg. Original artwork was created by Sam Doe. Sarah Lukowski and Avery Erskine copy-edited and consulted on the show. Thank you to all the amazing survivors, activists, researchers, former staff, families, experts, and everyone else who lent their stories to this podcast, both anonymous and otherwise.